0: coming out of uh, Jesus in the upper room uh, with the disciples. This is after the, the Passover supper. And he's, um, he's instructing them. These are his final hours. Uh, he's, he's warning them and he's, he's teaching them and he's giving them promises. And um, we, we heard about it last week, um, but these are some, some very difficult things that he is sharing with his disciples. He's going to be betrayed uh, by one of them. He's going to be denied. He's going to be abandoned by, by them. He's going to leave them. They can't go with him. And all of this that they're hearing is like this, this tremendous blow to them. This, this is not what the disciples saw for all of this uh, where it was going. They left everything for him, and now he was leaving them. Why would he leave? How were they gonna survive without him? Would they ever see him again? And, and you can sense there's this shock and, and confusion. They're distressed and, and fearful. I mean, if you just think about, you know, when you receive some, some horrible news, how, how thrown you feel in that moment, this is, this is like that. And Jesus says to them, verse one, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's, don't let this, this rattle you. The, the languages stop being troubled, like don't be afraid. And he says believe. You believe in God. Believe also in me. He says the God that you know that, that God that you you trust, who cares for you, who takes notice of you, who listens to your prayers, who loves you. well, so do I. The Son of God, believe. And Jesus is reaffirming who He is to them, and, and this revelation of, of him is meant to comfort them. He is one with the Father and and this reality for them is an anchor in their hearts. Jesus is is trying to move them from from being troubled to trust. And he knows that it's only going to be a matter of time. Right? They're going to take him to prison, Uh, he's going to be beaten, there will be a crown of thorns upon him, they will nail him to a cross, he will die, he will be buried in a tomb, and any shaky faith at this point is going to undermine when when they start to see all of these horrible things so here in this in these verses we see jesus giving these these powerful words to his disciples and they're 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 aimed at bringing comfort to them to strengthen them and encourage them and build them up jesus says my father's house has many rooms And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He's saying, guys, don't be troubled. In me there is is hope and future and an inheritance. Jesus is talking about heaven, his father's house. He speaks of it as a house. This isn't a a tent that's temporary. It's a permanent place of residence. It's been built and furnished by a divine architect. The Greek root of the word room, it corresponds with the verb to remain, to remain. So this is about a long term abiding. And there are many rooms, many rooms arranged for. All of God's children in heaven, there is room for us all. God's love is a mansion. And it's the place of the Father. Because when we believe and receive Christ, he gives unto us, we become children of God. And this is security against harm and evil. This is unconditional care and and family. And he tells us, provision has been made. It says that Jesus prepared it and that he arranged it before the beginning of time. And it reminds them that this separation from him is this is only going to be a temporary thing. He will return. He said, I will come again. And he's talking about his second coming and then to be with him forever. Forever. He says, you know the way to the place that I am going. But at this, the disciples are confused because he just finished saying, that they couldn't go to where he's going. So how can they know the way this seems impossible? So, so Thomas speaks up and he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? <laughs> you gotta love Thomas. Because he, he never pretended to understand things when he didn't, and, and here we see that he's speaking up on behalf of them all, because he says, we don't know. Is this a, a physical place? Like, what is Jesus referring to here? And Jesus answers him, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is one of the seven great I am statements of John's gospel. And he's, he's telling them this to, to bring them into a, a fuller understanding of, of all he is to them. He's saying, guys, don't be troubled in me is, is security and identity and, and freedom and belonging, he says that he himself is the way. So yes, he's he's shown the disciples the way, right? How to follow him, how to trust him. But this statement, he is saying more. He is saying he is the embodiment of the way. And he is explaining that he's the way back into relationship with God. Because when when sin entered the world and entered into the human condition, this meant that we were separated from a holy God. Our our union with God was fractured. And, And sin, it has all of these terrible implications to us, and God did not want to leave us this way. No, at the beginning of time, God made a plan. And out of his love for us, the father would send his son to the world so that at the right time, his son would be conceived of the Holy Spirit and and born to a woman, Jesus. Jesus, who is fully man, fully God, and therefore the perfect sacrifice because he was both without sin and yet shared in humanity. And he offered himself in exchange for all who were held captive in sin. And so when we believe in him and and receive him, we are restored back in relationship with the Father. And that's why Jesus says he himself is the way. He's the go-between. There's only one mediator between God and man. He is the way. And he says he's the truth. And yes, Jesus, taught the truth, but this statement means there is more. He is saying that he is the very source of, of all truth, wisdom. It originates in him and his life, Jesus, before all things. He's the creator in him. All things hold together. But this isn't just about life that, that we can see. This is, this is more. He is the source of all life, spiritual life new life in him, regeneration, resurrection life, eternal life. And and because of all of this, he says, there are no other pathways to the Father, this is it. And in today's culture of inclusivity, this is a pretty exclusive statement. And that might be hard to hear, but there aren't other pathways because there isn't another problem. Jesus came to be the answer to our problem. Right? By by sin we were separated from God. But but Jesus in in God's system of making things right again, Jesus, only Jesus being fully man and fully God is the perfect sacrifice. And and he died on our behalf and paid the price that we owed that we would be restored back to God. No one else can accomplish this work and that's why there's no other ways to God because the way to God lies in understanding the truth about who Jesus is and by receiving and believing he gives to us new and everlasting life he's the way the truth and the life Jesus continues verse 7 if you really know me, you'll know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the father, and that will be enough for us. <laughs> and these guys, they, they want to understand, but they don't quite get it. And, and here's Philip. He's asking for this visible manifestation of, of the glory of the father. You know, we, we read about this in the Old Testament with Moses or, or with Abraham. And he's asking so, so that they will be convinced that Jesus is who he says that he is and that it's all going to work out the way that Jesus says that it's all going to work out. And, and I mean, I, I get it because it is a whole lot easier to tolerate God's plans when, when we can get a glimpse of how it's all going to work out. But <laughs> Philip does not realize that, that his is such a, far greater privilege that that has been given to him here is God in the flesh talking to him and Jesus answers him don't you know me Philip even after I've been among you for such a long time anyone who has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father don't you believe I am in the father and that the father is in me The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. It's almost like Jesus is saying to him, open your eyes, Philip. You've been looking at me for three years now. When you see me, it is to see the Father. Jesus He's the the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature, Hebrew says. Jesus, the image of the invisible God, Jesus. In him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Jesus. Jesus repeats it over and over, like five or six times, virtually the same thing. He He and the Father are one. He and the Father are one. He and the Father are one. When you see me, you're looking at God. He and the father are one, father and son, distinct in their, their personhood, but but intimately united together, one in essence and equal, neither more important than the other. Jesus lives in, in perpetual union with the purpose and the will of the father. His words and actions are God's words and actions. The things that he said, the things that he did were out of his relationship with the Father. This wasn't some self-chosen expedition. This is God's plan. Jesus in perfect union with the Father. He's saying, guys, I'm God. In me is authority and honor and power and strength. Do not be troubled. And you tell us, Philip, if you can't believe me by what I say, surely you'll allow what I've done to convince you. Raising the dead casting out demons, healing the sick, feeding the multitudes, all these miracles and signs and mind-blowing redemptive deeds that Jesus has done in his earthly ministry all to glorify the Father, that, that his character and his will and his plans and his purpose would, would all be seen through the life of Jesus. And when look at the son We see the God who cannot be seen Know Jesus, and and you will know what God is like. And Jesus is reaffirming the the tremendous revelation that he is God. And and if they could grasp this truth, they they could rest easy knowing that, that they were secure. So he continues, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He gives his disciples the same work that he has been up to over these past three years, healing and serving and teaching and miracles. And he's saying, guys, don't be troubled. In me, there is purpose and and ministry and supernatural power. Jesus is reassuring them that that his physical absence will mean no loss of power from heaven. He supplies his disciples everything that they will ever need. For those who believe will continue to do his amazing work. And we see this to be true when we read about the early church and we look at the work of the, the apostles. They raise the dead, they heal, they cast out demons. But Jesus says not only what he was doing in his earthly ministry, but greater works. Well, what does that mean? To me, it would be pretty tough to exceed walking on water or or turning water to wine or or raising the dead. What, What is Jesus referring to then when he says that his believers will do something more miraculous than this? Well, I believe the, the key is in the phrase, because I'm going to the Father. Because when Jesus returned to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. And there were a number of, of Christ followers, right, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus was alive. Some commentators say around 500. But after his death and his resurrection and his ascension and the giving of the Holy Spirit, there were thousands and thousands of new believers at Pentecost, and hundreds of thousands and hundreds of thousands since that time. Jesus' earthly ministry was predominantly to the Jews, but after, the ministry was given to the Gentile nation as well. Jesus' entire ministry area was small in Palestine, but it was into the world that God sent Christians. And and then it wasn't just with stories of, of triumph in Jesus in the flesh. It was also the glorious truth of the full gospel message, the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, the ascension, the spirit, God, Jesus is savior and sanctifier and healer and coming king. This is the full gospel message. And this is works that are greater than his, not in power, but in scope. The opportunities through the Spirit are boundless. The disciples didn't need to be troubled. Where they thought that they were going to be reduced to, to nothing without him, his departure would be a new beginning, not an end to things. Jesus promises his continued work for greater things, all to be accomplished for his glory. And he says he'll provide for every need. He says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I'll do it. So these, these guys, they, they left everything to follow Jesus. And without him, they would really be without any type of resource. Without him, they, they would be alone in a, in a pretty hostile world. And Jesus says, guys, guys, don't be troubled. With, with me, there's limitless provision they would have access to all of his unlimited supplies. And the promise that, that he gives them doesn't simply mean that we can use Christ's name as, as some kind of formula for any whim that we would so desire. It means that, that we pray in accordance with what his name stands for. It's to pray uh, in harmony for, uh, with, with how Christ revealed himself We pray uh, with what is consistent to his character, to his kingdom. It needs to be in alignment with Jesus, and we pray for that which will bring him glory. And he invites his disciples to pray for anything I love it, anything, it shows us that there is no limit to his power. When we pray in his name and in alignment with his heart, when we pray for those things that are going to bring him glory, he says he will do it, we will not lack anything. This is amazing, he says all of this to his followers, I am on your side like this, like this, like this, What a list of promises in these verses for those who believe. In Jesus, there's hope and future and security and identity and and belonging and strength and power and ministry and purpose and unlimited provision. And, And Jesus is telling them all of this because they don't need to worry but trust to believe him for all things to come. And he says the same thing to us today. When the future that we're facing seems bleak, when, when we don't understand, when we can't see, Jesus wants us to, to believe, he wants us to trust, he wants us to hold on, he wants us to know him. Have you ever found yourself like these disciples in a place where, where hope is crushed? Or uh, fear clouds your heart. Or you have a longing for certainty. I think there are days where we can feel like Thomas. Lord, I don't know how to do this. Or I think there's days where we can be like Philip who says, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be good. I I think that kind of sounds like I'm not sure I can do this by faith right now. By, by believing in that which I cannot see. God, I, I need you to show up here. I need a visible God. But like this, Jesus sees us like he saw them. When our heart is breaking in uncertainty, when we are afraid, Jesus invites us to trust him. In these verses, he shows us how. Verse 11, I'll read it for us again. It displays for us two ways that we can strengthen our faith. It says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If not, believe because of the things I do. Believe me when I say. Believe because of the things I do. Let's look at the first one. Believe me when I say. Jesus is inviting us to live our lives by faith in his word. It is to believe what scripture says. I mean, personally, I've never seen Jesus, not like the disciples did. I've never met an angel, at least not to my knowledge. I've never heard God audibly speak. I've never heard heavenly voices. I've never seen heaven, but but I know these things. I know these things. I believe these things with all my heart. the, The Father is, Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is. Why? By his his living word, His, his voice speaks to me here, here, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus reveals himself to me through his word. I believe the words of Jesus in this book. I see Jesus in this book. I believe the angels that are written about in this book. I hear God speak to my heart in this book. I hear the voices that I will, will one day hear in heaven as they're described in this book. I believe in the God as he is revealed in the pages of this book. It is a sacred text. God gave his words to, to people to write down. Words that, that don't have their origin in, in human design or will. Will. They were spoken from God and the Spirit breathed them in the hearts of people to record them. God's words, trustworthy and without error. And through the years, his, his testimony, it, it never changes. There's been different versions of the Bible that have, that have come about, from the King James to the Message to the Amplified, but his intention remains. He stays the same. It reminds me of uh, the way a song can get covered by different artists, like Miley Cyrus singing Blondie's Heart of Glass. So is the Bible. Through Through the years, different voices have been singing the same song, the song that was written by Jesus. And yes... And Jesus speaks to us after we've closed our Bibles or or through other people or in dreams or in, or in visions or by his still small voice as his Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit within us. But the word of God, the word of God is a primary way in which we hear what he says to us. As he speaks it universally to everyone and he speaks it personally. You know, the Spirit illuminates a specific word to us for a specific time. He writes poetry. He shares letters. He tells us stories from long ago in history. He uses pictures and, and symbolism and images of dragons and, and numbers and beasts and gardens and the Lamb. And the, the more we read and, and hear from Him, the more He helps us to understand the more we, we chew on it and, and wrestle with it, the deeper it goes. The word abiding in us. There's a proverb that says to keep the words of Jesus within us, ready on our lips, so that our trust may be in the Lord. Because that's, that's where we then have it to draw upon at any time. Words that, that he has given that we memorize. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. We can pull it out. The battle is not yours but God's. Nothing is impossible with God. I'm making a way in the wilderness. These are his words and we can draw upon them and his words to us change us. The psalmist declared that we live rooted and planted and revived by the word of God. Reading the word gives jesus chance to speak into our lives and his voice influences us with with wisdom and then the foundation of our belief grows more stable in our lives and you know during our devotional time with him we can ask him about words or or phrases this is a supernatural language in this book it's good to talk to jesus we can ask him about the context or the connections with other parts of the Bible. We can ask him about our appropriate response to what he is saying. There is no better way to grow in reading the Bible than to read the Bible. And his voice, it fortifies our heart in difficulty and he increases our faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. When our hearts are troubled, he says he will strengthen us and encourage us and comfort us and, and build us up. He says, trust him. Believe me when I say. The second way that Jesus invites faith and trust in him, he says, believe me when I, when I say what I, what I speak. But if not, believe because of the things I do. And if, if faith in the unseen is, is too hard to find some days. If, if doubt is chasing you down and winning, Jesus says, hang on to that which you know is certain. Things that, that you cannot deny. He says, believe based on what you have experienced me doing in your life. You know, even, even the greatest of God's people have experiences with failing faith. Our need for certainty, like Philip, who says, show us, Lord, and then we'll be good. Or remember when John the Baptist was in jail, and his sorrow gave way to doubt, and he sends his his closest disciples to Jesus to say, are you really the one? And what does Jesus do for John? He says, tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. Jesus gave John the evidence of him being the Messiah to sustain him in his circumstances. And it's the same thing that Jesus was saying here to the disciples, and it is also true for us today. Jesus says, recount the stories of what God has done in your life. And what you have seen God doing will give your heart confidence. His works provide evidence that the Lord is personal and powerful and working wonders. Jesus invites us to, to remember and, and recognize his miracles are every day. When we acknowledge his work, we, we don't forget. It's, it's vital to our faith to see God's activity in our life because it reminds us he's here now and moving, like we sang in that beautiful song. He is here now and moving. And if we don't do this, we can miss what he's up to and make an assumption that he's absent. Overlooking his activity can lead us to feelings of abandonment. And feelings of abandonment will erode our faith. But seeing his works, seeing his works will build our faith. You know, water may not be turning to wine in front of me, but I have seen love that that sacrificially gives for the sake of another. You know, love that that would hold marriages together for 5 or 10 or or 50 years. You know, I haven't raised anybody from the dead, but I have experienced the the inexplainable joy that when, when I hear teenagers singing worship songs with, with small children at the top of their lungs on a Sunday morning. I haven't walked on water, but I have witnessed peace as, as angry friends walk into reconciliation and forgiveness instead of walking away. I have witnessed patience as a mother gave up her career to stay home to raise her son. I have seen the the kindness of Christ through a small handful of people who consistently fed hungry people during a pandemic. I have seen goodness and faithfulness as Jesus keeps his promise that he will build his church here at Summit in Richmond Hill for over 20 years. He brings new believers and multiplies ministry, and he even builds roads and fixes barns. I have seen gentleness in the hands of, of elders as they, they rest on the sick to pray for healing. I have seen self-control in a friend who, who is in the community who continues to, to serve the Lord under criticism and harsh conditions and continuing uh, to serve and love the very people who turned their backs on her. God's everyday glorious miracles give us evidence he has not abandoned us. He is right in front of us. He's healing bodies and and breaking strongholds and saving souls and transforming lives. And when, when we recognize his activities in our very lives, he strengthens our faith. It's like the the psalmist who declared, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We do this by living intentionally, intentionally seeing the goodness of the Lord today. He is here all over our lives every day. Count your blessings is not just a, a catchphrase for a mug. It's to acknowledge Acknowledge all the promises that he is fulfilling to us every single day, remembering or or writing them down or telling others about it. It glorifies him and it makes concrete every uncertainty. Every day, Jesus works divine miracles in your life, in my life. And he says, believe, believe, because we have seen the evidence in our lives of his divine person, of his uncomparably great power, of his limitless provision to us. And when we can't hold on and we need proof, Jesus says, believe, believe in me, all that you see that I do. When our hearts are troubled, his amazing works will strengthen us, encourage us, comfort us, build us up. He says, trust him. Believe me when I say. And if not, believe because of the things that I do. We have time. I want to ask you to do something. Um, It's a practice that I'd like to give you for this week. If you'll be willing to to inject it into your devotional time before you start the the busyness of your day uh, or before you fall asleep at night, uh, whatever time it is that works for you, will you uh, consider? Will you take notice of? Will you acknowledge? Will you write down? Uh, one word, one work. One in one, okay? That's what we're going to call it. This is our practice this week, one in one. It's one verse, one word that he says to you each day. We, we serve a God who is alive and active in our lives. And as we read his word, there's one that we can take hold of and one miracle. One beautiful activity that we saw the Lord doing in our day. And, and maybe you journal it, maybe you pray it out. You know, from, from uh, Ephesians. I'm doing my devotional time and, and it says, Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. Lord, may I claim this to be true in my life. Increase my faith. Lord, today when I got up, you're knitting my bones back together. Lord, you are healer. And I praise you and exclaim you for how good you are. Your word and your work, I believe, increase my faith, Lord Jesus. As friends, these days can be hard and if we're not gonna get intentional about our faith, it's gonna be hard to remain faithful. So will you try it? Will you try this practice this week? Because his promises, they are still valid. His, His power has not diminished. His person is unchanging. And he doesn't hold anything back from us. So when our hearts are unsteady, he invites us, fix your thoughts on what I say. When our hearts are unsteady, he reminds us, stand upon that which you have seen And by these, we we fortify our hearts through faith, believing in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He fills our souls with, with comfort and security and faith. The future is bright and full of hope. Today is bright, full of hope, despite what it may look like, or feel like, or seem like up ahead. Don't be troubled leave.